The real estate biz is drastically changing, and modern real estate success can't be learned in some old course manual. This is everything they never told you about real estate, where industry leaders expose secrets to success, contemporary lead generation, and how to dominate social media. All moderated by your host, the real estate goat and queen of social media, Carrie Silve. My co-host, Melissa Vascott, she's also a realtor, and today we have a really special guest on. It's Beth O'Donohue. Uh, Beth graduated from Ryerson University with a Bachelor of Commerce in Global Management. Beth's education and skills translate well for real estate. With an additional passion for design, Beth also brings forth a strong skill set in home staging, design, and color schemes. She got licensed in real estate while completing her degree and jumped in full-time after graduation, working for the infamous Brad Lamb. She worked on site for three major projects in Toronto and sales events for several projects throughout Canada. She's established relationships with builders internationally, and she's a new mom, probably one of the most exciting things, and now she's here to talk to us. Welcome, Beth. Thank you I so love much. it. I love it. I just so everybody knows, I follow Beth on Instagram. I have forever. And she's just recently discovered TikTok and she's killing it there with her videos. I think I just liked one yesterday. Um, Beth, so obviously the main question is, what's the one thing nobody ever told you about our industry? Nobody tells you how to build a business. Everyone tells you about the technical aspects, writing contracts, how to not get sued, all of that type of things, but no one tells you how to really build and run a business. I think if I could go back, I would have systemized myself from the beginning. I would have really got on my CRM and my management and use of my data from the beginning. Um, and I would have implemented systems from the start so that way uh, growing and building out my business would have been a lot easier. I think it's very easy to focus on the transaction, especially when you're first starting. You're just worried about mm -hmm. the next deal, the next deal, the next deal. Um, <laughs> and it's really hard to kind of take a look back at yourself and what you're doing and realize that you're a business um, and you have to really run yourself that way. And I think in order to be successful and to scale, you really, really have to have those things in place. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but um, in the beginning, I cringe at the amount of possible referrals and past clients that I probably lost because I didn't have a working CRM or database. Nobody tells you this stuff about real estate. Um, nobody told yeah. me you needed systems for your business. Nobody, I didn't even, I had to actually search on CRM systems and this was five years into my career, right? So I'm doing all the research. Yep. Nobody's telling me all the secrets. And I literally cringe when I look back and think about the amount of business that I potentially lost. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. I'm the same too. 
Yeah. Well, they, they sort of glaze over CRM. They don't really put emphasis on how important it is and yeah. how, how important database management is. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of already answered my question, Beth. <laughs> so that's what you do differently now. So how did you get into real estate? How, like what made you decide? Because you've, you graduated with something completely unrelated. What made you choose real estate? Business is business, but I actually, I bought my first house when I was 18 um, and wow. I slipped it. So, wow. I love yeah, that was what kind of like, I was, I was not the normal teenager. I was a big nerd. I was always watching HGTV, which is how I knew who Brad was. Um, so I always loved to, like, even when I was a kid, I would take all the stuff out of my bedroom and I change it all around my bed came out of every corner of my room and I just like I loved that kind of stuff so when we did our first one um and it went well and uh I did my mom's house after that um and then at that point I was like wow I think I'm good at this like maybe I should just get my license for I I initially was thinking for whatever flips and stuff that I would do and if I could help, you know, my friends or my family, like, that'd be great on the side, yeah. whatever. Um, so, and I was already in school. So for me to go and do another school thing at that point, I was like, ah, no problem. Just get my real estate license. Sure, no problem. I actually started my license while I was, yeah, I was in, I, I went to college and university. So I started my license while I was in college. And this was way back before all these changes. So we only had to do three mm-hmm. courses, then you were licensed, yes. then the, the three. Oh yeah. my oh. God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I hate you guys. <laughs> licensed by the time I started university wow. and I was fully licensed by the time I finished university. So I had already been working part-time, I would say, um, while I was in school. And then when I graduated, I had been interviewing, um, interviewing around. It's the first person in my family to graduate post-secondary. So it was a really big deal, especially for my mom. She really wanted me to get a degree job. Um, so I tried. <laughs> I, I gave it a good go. I really interviewed around. But at the time, you know, I, I had, I've been working since I was 10. So I had good jobs downtown. I was making good money. I was serving at a fine dining restaurant. Um, I, yeah, I, I paid for school. I never took OSAP. I lived on my own. Oh, I love that. So I knew, I love it. Yeah. I knew, I knew what it cost to live. So I knew going to get an entry level $50,000 a year degree job wasn't going to cut it. my last interview was with td securities um at young and bloor at the td headquarters and they offered me a job assisting their top three brokers they would have paid Mm -hmm. for me to get my securities license and i was like "Mm, stocks money that sounds cool i could do that and again i'm like oh another school thing yeah sure no problem like whatever (laughs) i love it i love it me the first second and third interview on the spot and so we started talking about compensation and we were kind of far apart. So they were like, listen, think about it. Like along with salary and this and that, where you'll get bonuses, you'll get benefits, you'll get this, you'll get that. 
And I was kind of like, oh, who cares? Like, I, I, want, the, I want the money. <laughs> yeah. So that was on a Monday. On Wednesday, um, I actually met Brad. He was doing a seminar about uh, real estate investing. And at this point, you know, yeah, I did one flip and I'm like, I'm an investor. I was nothing at the time, but <laughs> in my mind I was. But so I went to this seminar and Brad, if you've ever seen Brad speak, he's, he's a very good speaker. So I loved it. And I just wanted mm -hmm. to talk to him because in my mind, he's this like celebrity that I've been watching on HGTV ah, and I just talked to him. So funny. So I, I love it. Everyone, I waited till everyone was finished. I talked to a couple of his agents and I ended up speaking to him and just telling him, you know, what I've been going through. I just graduated and, you know, I was thinking at this point, maybe I should do real estate full time. And he told me, he's like, he's like, you're going to take that bank job and you're going to fucking hate your life. He's like, I was an engineer for four years and I, I hated it. And you're going to hate it. And I was like, see, this is what I think. I think I'm going to take this bank job and I'm never going to stop bartending. And like, I don't want to do that. Anyway, yeah. so we were just having a conversation about just getting into real estate. And I said, well, if I decide to do real estate, then I need to come and work here. And he was kind of like, who's this little girl? <laughs> I was like in my like, 20s. And at the time, they hadn't hired anybody for almost five years. Um, their office was very small, very like a uh, close group of agents. So um, mm. it took me a while actually to get the interview. But it was one of those things I just had, like I just had to know. Like I just had to try it and see what yeah. happened. So I was super persistent I with like it. following up with them. TD still harassing me, but I'm like, I don't care. And then um, I finally got the interview and yeah, he hired me on the spot. So here we are. Wow. So that, was your, that was literally your first job. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. I mean, kind of, I'd always been working, but yeah, but professional. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that being said, Beth, I feel like it's every realtor's goal is to get the cushy job at a sales site, new construction, pre-con development for a builder, representing the builder. This is what new yeah. agents are after. This is what experienced agents are after. They look at it as almost like a, a retirement. <laughs> they look at it as easy. Okay. I started my career in pre-con definitely not easy. I think that in terms of bringing in leads um, for resale, it's nothing else. There's nothing else like it. So that's very lucrative. Um, what do you think? How is it? How's your experience working for the builder, like representing the builder in the sales office? So when I was doing it, I was on site, I want to say probably like 2016, 2017. So the market wasn't that crazy for pre-con. Um, it was still absorbing, but I would say the average sales cycle for a building was about two years. So it wasn't like selling out over mm -hmm. a weekend. That's not what we were doing. We were building a presentation wow. site. We were uh, building model suites and having people walk yeah. in, having like sales hours. So I worked on site six days a week for almost three years. Um, so it's hard, especially if you're, as well building a resale business if all you're doing is focusing on on the pre-con like that's great for me that wasn't enough income um because mm -hmm. uh, for agents who don't know pre-con you don't get paid <laughs> the most <laughs> amount of money at the beginning. 
It's a it's long volume. term game with pre. It's yeah. volume, so, right? It's, it's volume. Yeah. So okay, um, it was hard to work my business and be on site because I'd have to like schedule showings in the morning, then run to site for twelve, and then be done at six, and then do showings from six to nine, and then write offers from nine to eleven, and it was very, it was very much a grind. However, I feel that it helped contribute to me getting so good so quick. It was, it was like um, literally throwing you in the field because you automatically have to start having these conversations with clients. You have to get good yeah. at speaking to people and confident with what, what you're saying and uh, the approach that you're taking when selling these things. I think pre-con's a different monster too because it's not physical. Uh, a lot of people here like to see and touch where it's hard for them to look at a floor plan and visualize. For me, I feel like I have that, which is yeah. why I was so good at flipping and, and design and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But that's not, I don't think it's common. So I think it's hard for people, especially here to go, what am I, what am I buying this piece of paper? So it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was yeah. a good way to build my database. It was a good way to build my confidence um, and uh, my knowledge, all of that. So I'm super thankful for that opportunity. Um, I, it also leads to other things. I think once you work for one builder, you really can move around. It opened up a lot of opportunity for me. Um, mm -hmm. If it's something I ever want to pursue again, I can go and work for a number of builders and do a, yeah. and do a site. Um, so once you have really the experience, experience for great. getting into the industry, I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so based on, it sounds, oh, sorry, go ahead, Carrie. No, 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 no. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so if that's the thrux of what your business was, which obviously turned out to be really successful because that's what your focus was and you have a massively dynamic personality. So what's one secret little piece of advice that you would give to people now that contributed to the success of your business that you could share to help so somebody? I was very aggressive in investing in what I was selling. Yep. So I actually bought in every building that I sold. Um, and I was able to put my money where my mouth was. I wasn't just selling people mm -hmm. on a dream that I wasn't believing in myself. It's hard in your 20s to kind of get that aggressive with investing. But I feel that that pressure um, made me perform because I had these obligations. I put mm -hmm. myself in that situation. I had to do it. And sometimes I think that it's good to put that stress on you. I know, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs work that way, that we work well yeah, under stress. Yeah. Give oh, us yeah. stress. And <laughs> well, yeah, so I feel like you have to, you know, you have to push yourself sometimes that way. So I think that that's a, a good piece of advice to people. Also, I, I think it's, yeah good to jump in. A lot of people do this job part-time. I've done both. So I did it part-time while I was in school. And now obviously I've done it full-time for almost 10 years. So it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare. If you're doing it part-time, you're not, you're not doing justice to your clients. Yeah. It's, you're unable to. The market moves too quick, especially downtown where building, like literally building to building is so different. If you really don't know what's going on, 
it's a major disservice to your clients. Yes. I'm so glad you're here. People. <laughs> I love it. That's that is my biggest complaint in this industry is all of the part-time agents. And you guys in Toronto, there are so many of them that just have their license. And mm -hmm. how confusing is that for potential clients? How do they know who they're getting? Somebody no. part-time or full-time? Somebody who does this and really gives a shit, or somebody who's just, you know, making a couple bucks on the side. I wouldn't yeah. want to hire somebody who's selling a one and a half million dollar property like that just is making a couple bucks. Like, well, that you, wouldn't is... hire, you wouldn't go to a heart surgeon who does it. Exactly. exactly. And I'm so listen, glad guys, you said that. We're in a day and age where um, we have social media and the web to really showcase our experience and our abilities, right? It's not like it was 10, 15 years ago where you're kind of just looking for the person with the most amount of signs on lawns, right? You can really yeah, look yeah. people up. Like that's why I believe so much in social media because you can really showcase your experience, your expertise. It's almost like a website, right? Um, I, if I Google a business or if I want to do business with somebody, I'm Googling them, but I'm looking at their social media too. And and that's where video comes in. And Beth, you're doing amazing with video. You know, you're putting um, quality um, pieces out there, basically educating. I feel, like, feel with social media, if you're really wanting to take advantage of what social provides, you really want to try to provide value to your audience. Um, and as well, you want to be personable. You want people to know who you really are because... You're not meant yes. to work with everybody. I'm not meant for every personality. I'm totally fine with that. But I feel like with social media, you're able to draw those people who are who will jive with you, who are meant to work with you, and it makes the experience so much better. Yes, I, I, I have a client I met right off Instagram. We did a whole transaction. She would she never even came to Toronto. She was in Ottawa, and we did everything over video. But I literally felt like I knew her and she felt like she knew me because, you know, she'd been following me. We talked so much and it's crazy. It's so powerful. I get that. Uh, I get that a lot too, too, right? Oh. And that's why I preach well, and like when I coach, yeah, when I coach social media, I, I tell all of my students, I'm like, you guys, I don't care what fucking agent told you to keep your business and your personal life separate. In order to gain clients, there has to be a level of trust there. And the only way you're going to get trust from people who have not met you in person is to show them who you are as a person. Be transparent. Be authentic. Show them who you are. And that's going to have to be on social media. So get rid of your yeah. personal Instagram and start doing it all together, right? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm such a believer in that. Um, okay, so I have a question for you. Tell me something that not many people know about you. Anything. So, it can be work-related. It can be personal. Anything. So I never thought I would have a child. <laughs> no. So now that we have him, um, it makes you definitely take a step back um, and kind of look at the lifestyle that you want. Um big picture. So, um, we are investing outside of the country and 
hopefully eventually plan on kind of dividing up our time um, between a couple different locations. So very excited. Can I ask where? First will probably be Turkey. Um, and mm-hmm. then second, probably Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Oh. Everybody's going to Costa Rica. Sun. I need the sun. I need the sun. Yes. <laughs> and it's a I've little never bit been closer. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. So Beth, I'm, let's talk about the market briefly. Like you are boots on the ground in the scene at the moment. Tell me what you are seeing downtown Toronto. What, what's it like? What's the atmosphere like over there with the market? Downtown's always a different monster. I always tell everybody this. When you hear news and headlines, it's very general stuff. And downtown is usually always the outlier. We never saw massive price growth during COVID. We went down a little bit at the beginning, kind of when everybody was exiting the city, thinking we're all working from home forever. We're never leaving our house. So um, we saw the exit there. We saw rents go down. But since then, and kind of during COVID, once everyone realized that the sky wasn't falling, we just mm-hmm. saw a steady increase. Nothing crazy. I don't even think we went over 10%. We're usually between 7 and 10 where, you know, some outlying cities like Barrie and some places in Durham saw almost like 40% year-over-year growth. Um, yeah. So because of that, I think our market's a little more sustainable. What we are seeing right now is it, it started kind of last summer and it's kind of kept going as Rents are going crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Rental inventory is very tight. Um, resales haven't been affected so much by interest rate increases. I say maybe 10% or so. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's a l- little bit less than what we gain like year over year. So it hasn't really affected the market too much. Plus inventory here is so tight. It's so tight. There is not a lot of good product for sale. So if you come to market with a good product, it's selling and it probably is going into multiple offers. Yeah. yeah. I'm seeing that in Hamilton too. Right? Yeah. So yeah. definitely. And Niagara seems to have shifted a little bit. Um, so I'm a geek completely. And I did a little stats thing this morning over coffee because <laughs> I wanted to see statistically, we always seem to go up in value. Like I'm conservative and say 6% year over year. So I did the last 10 years in Hamilton and we were conservatively 6% for about three years. Then we jumped, we had like 8%. And then I think it was 2020 to 2021, we jumped up 28%. Yeah. And then it was 12%. And from 2021 to 2022, so I'm seeing the exact same thing. AAA houses, they've held their value and they're still selling for like that mm-hmm. market value of the 12% increase was. There's been real no decline. Just houses, the shithole houses that shouldn't have sold for the ridiculous prices are now selling for what they should. So yeah. that makes me so happy because like, come on people, let's get back on it. Let's lower the interest yeah. rates government. <laughs> so now, yeah. Now yeah. I've done a couple, my last two deals were assignments, Beth. So let's dive into that because uh, the first one, my sellers still made a bit of money. 
um, compared to what they would have made a year ago, significantly less, but they didn't lose any money. And then the one that I was just negotiating yesterday, uh, it was very distressed. Like they were losing their entire deposit and trying to figure out how the realtors are getting paid. So are you seeing a lot of that right now? Yeah. If you're looking for a deal, the assignment market is where you need to go. Um, Mm -hmm. It's definitely where you're going to find distress. However, for those who don't know assignments, I know it's not everybody, you, they're super cash heavy. So it's not a deal that everybody can pull off. Um, But if you want a deal deal, you can find 2017 pricing right now on an assignment because the sellers cannot close and they don't want to lose their deposit. Plus they're going to get sued by the builder. The deposit is the least of their worries. And I have a a good friend of mine going through this right now. She didn't buy through me. And (laughs) that's her problem. Her her appraisal is $200,000 under. That is crazy. I feel so bad for everybody that's experiencing that. Like, obviously, you know, when I was negotiating this deal and the agent, the listing agent kept coming back to me and saying, well, your buyer has to come up $20,000 or there's no way to pay us. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, listen to what you're saying. Why would my buyer pay an extra $20,000 when it's your seller that's in this situation. I just, I just have to remind everybody, like, I don't know, I feel bad for people, but at the same time, we have to remember, um, the only people that are willing to pick up these properties right now are the investors that are cash heavy, right? So they're holding all the cards right now. They're holding everything. What do you see for the pre-con industry? Because I'm going to tell you, I did a lot of buy-in pre-con I have in my career. More, not Toronto, because I don't get involved in that mess. It's a shit show over there. Like, I love you guys, but it's highly competitive, right? So I focus down Southern Ontario. And um, what happened was I was selling maybe like 10, maybe more units in each development for a couple of years. And then when prices went crazy, like 2021, when shit hit the fan, um, all of the builders that had given me their broker act, portal access, agreed upon um, cooperation, I got noticed that they were no longer cooperating anymore. I got mad. I'm like, fuck these guys, (laughs) you know? And obviously that's going to have to change. Right, like oh, we already started coming crawling back, and not just that, they're having to offer incentives and mm-hmm. um, things that they weren't buying. The problem is Toronto's a different monster again because of our our development charges. They're so ridiculous, and trades everything here is so expensive. Builders really don't have the room to lower prices. I think the way that mm-hmm. the general public thinks that they do. They don't have that option here. But what big builders will do, the Menkees, the Great Golf, the Tridels, they're not going to launch. They're just not going to mm-hmm. launch. They will wait until prices bounce back and they'll hold on. They don't care. They'll hold on. It's going to be the small to medium-sized builders that are going to feel the pain of what's going on right now. And I would really caution 
buyers who are looking right now, especially these smaller builders that are offering these crazy incentives, because we've seen it happen in the past couple of years. And I think we're going to keep seeing it that builders are going to cancel projects. They're going to cancel projects because they're financially unviable in yeah. order for a developer to go to any sort of lender to get financing on the construction side, they have to show their full performer along with selling 70% of the building. Yes. They have to yes. show the numbers and the banks want to see a certain uh, profit percentage. And if they mm -hmm. don't hit that, they're not getting construction financing. So the project's not viable. So the, the, this back end stuff is what, you know, the general public doesn't understand. So yeah. they're just, it's the projects aren't going to come. And this is the funny thing about what's going on right now is that, you know, the banks, this Bank of Canada is trying to lower inflation by raising interest rates, which is slowing the market. So sure, we might see a bit of a correction right now. Sure. Yeah. As soon as rates go up, me, we all know what's going to happen. It's going to yeah. go to the moon again. And then the problem is the, they don't, they have no foresight. So now everything that's not getting built is going to bottleneck us three to five years from now when we have no inventory, because we've traditionally yeah. been getting about 26,000 completions every year. It's but, not enough. And it's not enough. Not enough. And then we're going to cut that. By, I'm going to say at least half this year. Yeah. Then yeah. in five years, we're going to have 12,000, 15,000. Yeah. Yep. And all with the immigration policy that we have here. 5,000 new immigrants a year. Where are they all going to live? What's going to I mean, we know, that, we know yeah. that they're all not buying right away, but their goal of coming here is to buy. Is to they buy. They all want to do this. And the yeah. thing with immigrants is they're way more resourceful than us they, they five are five of them will buy they'll right five of them I will love go in, buy a house goes up they'll sell it they'll then divide up into two fam whatever they need to do they they'll work two jobs they'll work, they'll work two three jobs each you're they'll so right i love it yeah yes. i love those clients they are so driven i love working with them yeah Absolutely. I, I see i see the big picture of what the implications of what we're doing right now is going to have in our market in three to five years. And it's not going to be good. Yeah. It's because real estate is macro, like immigration is macro. We have all of these influences that are coming in. We need to facilitate it. And the government's only way to control inflation is to raise interest rates, which is counterintuitive because it stops the housing market, which contributes massively to our GDP as a country. Yeah. So well, the drip down from real estate is huge, right? Because it's not just yeah. the actual real estate transactions. It's also the taxes. It's the trades. It's the yeah. furniture. It's the flooring. It's the yeah. top. Like it's all of it. Massive the outreach that real estate really has, and you know, even if they say that real, I think real estate right now is a little bit under um, seventeen percent GDP. But imagine all of the other things. Like it has mm -hmm. to be like 30, 35%. Like it's huge. Yeah, so, I know. It's crazy. So I, I've, been, I've been saying the exact same thing as soon as the Fed started printing money. And I remember at my last brokerage, I got in an argument with my broker and he's like, Melissa, you have to stop talking that way. You're in real estate. And I'm like, no, 
Like housing shouldn't be a privilege. Like it's it's a right we have. Our taxation is so high. Like the government just needs to fuck off <laughs> because they're <laughs> obliterating. They're obliterating housing and making it unaffordable for people. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, everyone has such a beef against developers about how greedy and rich they are. And it's bullshit because if they knew what developers had to go through, those stakes oh are God. high, high. Yeah. So it's and the profit so, margins aren't what people think they are. No. I mean, our, the developer's profit margin is typically 12%. Like, yep. so it's not, they're not, I mean, they're in the business to make money. Let's be real, but it's not, they're not, you know, making bags and bags every time they build and, what they have to go through it's typically a five to seven year process in ontario yeah what absolutely people don't see is the back end is the development charges i mean just in toronto we've seen in the past two years a hundred percent increase and then last year another 47 percent so mm -hmm. Crazy. when i first started just to kind of put a number to it when i first started to close a one-bedroom condo cost about 10 to fifteen thousand. To do a one bedroom right now, it's 60 to 75. Just Jesus. Wow. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> wow. It, well, I can see. You know, it putting it into numbers like that, it blows people's mind. It's, yeah. it's actually insane. And I mean, it's, it's made the news a couple times. There was a project in Mississauga, a townhouse project that came in and development charges were 65, 70 grand. That's crazy. So, Oh, yeah, that's, it's, that's it's, cost prohibitive is what it is. So, yeah. So what are we seeing for the future um, of pre-con? Are we seeing way more cooperation with outside realtors, obviously? Are we seeing, um, again, like a two-year turnaround on the project to sell out? Is, is that what we're looking at? At least for a little bit. Right now that are are definitely looking at a at a longer sales cycle. They're mm -hmm. anticipating at least a year sellout. The mm -hmm. thing, especially with downtown and uh, big developers, is they kind of have their their platinum agents. It's a very small circle. Yes. Of oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I still think that that'll be a thing, mostly because honestly, not a lot of agents know how to properly sell precon. Um, and yeah. it's also very hard to get in the door. So that's, that's a big barrier. It's a big, a lot of people don't want to get involved. It's takes so long to get paid. It's so hard to get in. Why am I going to spend all this time and all this money to promote this project? And I'm not even guaranteed a unit. So it's a hard, yeah. it's a hard thing to get into, which is, I don't know if it's really going to expand too much to outside agents. I think now outside agents have an opportunity to prove themselves to builders because now it's harder to put deals together. So it's easier to get yourself in the door. So if you get yourself in the door and you sell five, 10, 15, 20 units yes. for a builder, then, you know, when things start to pick up again, those builders will remember, they'll come back yeah. to you and they'll give you those units. So they'll give the allocation for, for sure. Yeah. 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 I like that. I, I feel like anybody who wants to get in on the buyer um, end of pre-con should start doing it now. Because the the yeah. units that are released, the, the the projects that are being released are taking way longer to sell. Um, their platinum agents that are selling over a hundred units for each of their developments aren't selling those hundred units. 
I'm getting emails from developers. I mean, like for months now and the incentives keep going up and up. And personally, I'm just like, I think I'm going to sit tight, right? (laughs) I think I'm going to sit tight and see what happens, you know, because things have been really unstable, you know? Um, But yeah, now is the time to learn a really good pre-con system and execute it to get your foot in the door. I totally agree. Okay. So um, let's do a lightning round of would you rather. Do you want to do that with me? Okay. Okay. So Beth, first off, buyers or sellers? Sellers. Okay. (laughs) Even in this market right now? Yes. Wow. As long as as they listen. (laughs) (laughs) must listen to realtor (laughs) right realistic seller (laughs) um okay how about this texting or talking on the phone which one do you prefer texting text me okay yeah call me if you're dying (laughs) um instagram or tiktok I love Instagram, but TikTok is like taking over, I think. Right? The reach because is you just can, crazy. Yeah. The reach yeah. Is and you insane. can jump on with your hair looking like this and nobody fucking cares. It's fantastic. Love it. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Wild. Okay. I have a really good one here. So, would you rather work with a millennial first time home buyer and their father? Or a couple in the middle of a nasty divorce? Whew, that's a good one. (laughs) I've done both. And what would I rather do? Like, which pain would I rather endure? Probably the first time ever. Yeah, me too. Yeah? Really? Yeah, I I, I did a divorce and it was testing my patience. They are tough. There's always someone that doesn't trust you. And it's hard to work in that situation where a client doesn't trust you. At least with the dad, I feel like I could, you know, I could win the dad. I can win. I I can bring him to my side. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? You're right. And that's the biggest hurdle I think um, that I had this year personally uh, because of how the market kind of stalled and, you know, sellers were not getting on board with what was going on quick enough as, as quick as it was dropping, you know? Um, so you got, I got personally, I got a lot of sellers who normally would trust me and love me when I, when they're getting what they want, but all of a sudden they're questioning and second guessing everything I'm telling them. And I got to tell you, it makes, it will make or break your fucking deal. Like, and it broke one of them for me. And I pride myself on, never losing a deal, you know, because I think I've maybe had to mutual release like three or four in my 13 year career, which is great. But yeah, I had to let go a listing this year after it fell through three times. But it's it's the hardest. It's the hardest working with somebody who is not trusting you and your advice and your insight into the business that we are the experts in, right? So that can make things awful. 
I was the opposite of euphoria. I had one at the beginning of COVID and it was a nightmare and had to do a mutual release because Uh, prices kept going up weekly. And it's like, how do I, like, I'm explaining everything to you. It's not like I'm hiding things and there's a big secret. Like this market is bonkers. (laughs) Bananas out there. That is bananas Um, out there. Okay. Would you rather be in your pajamas or a suit all day? Pajamas. That's my girl. (laughs) Perfect. Love it. Okay. How about this one? Would you rather lose your phone or your passport? My phone. It's actually my dream because then I can bring it. That's literally the only life. Oh my god, I love it. Oh my god. That's so funny. I think I would panic, but yeah. Okay, um, I got one last, one final question. Would you rather live downtown Toronto in a gorgeous century home that is freaking haunted beyond anything you've ever seen? Or would you rather go live in Meaford? I don't know where the second place is, but I think I'm going to pick it. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you afraid of ghosts? Is Beth afraid of ghosts? I mean, unless it's a cool ghost and we could like, play tricks on people like I'm down for that but if it's like a scary like creep up on me like I don't need that I'm jumpy oh, I'm a mom. I'm gonna be scared oh my okay, god so okay <laughs> I love it okay so do you have any final advice for any realtors out there listening we're gonna have realtors that are new we're gonna have seasoned realtors any little piece of something that they should always remember um about your their business I think you should always be yourself. Um, I think a lot of in this business, it's very easy to try and emulate people who they perceive to be successful. But the reason why those people are successful is because they are who they are. So I think the best thing that you can do is be yourself and put yourself out there. Um, Putting yourself out there is hard. It's hard to be vulnerable, but you could be the best at what you're doing. But if no one knows about you, it doesn't matter. So be yourself and put yourself out there. Yes. I love Solid it. Thank advice. you so much. Thank you so much, Beth, for coming on and talking to us today. It was a great experience. I always love to see your beautiful face and oh, I would be, <laughs> I would be happy to have you back anytime. Maybe oh, next yeah. time when you're on vacation, we can do like a remote from the beach. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can show you some some real estate. You can, you can teach us how to get into pre-con in another country. Yes. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Thank you so much, Beth. And um, good luck. You're doing an amazing job. And we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Beth. Thanks for listening to everything they never told you about real estate. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To connect with Carrie or for more information about her coaching program, 
check out kerrysove.ca or at kerrysove and associates on Instagram and TikTok. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time.